Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Back everybody, twelve thirty-four in Edmonton. Why would you come back with Elton John, Philadelphia? Free? What would be the possible connection to our next guest? I, I don't know. Uh, he joins us every Tuesday on Oilers Now, courtesy of our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. Live thoroughbred racing Friday and Saturday at Century Mile. For more information, visit thehorses.com. It's uh, free entry and free parking, all that stuff, out at Century Mile. We welcome back to the show Philadelphia's own, one of the most plugged-in men in the business from Daily Faceoff. Frank Saravalli. Hello, Frank. How are you? Oh, hold on Bob, a second. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. You know, we're, uh, we have some fans uh, that are parroting comments from others saying that the we need to pump the brakes on Dylan Holloway a bit. Um, all I can say is to this juncture in the preseason, he's become a very intriguing storyline for the Edmonton Oilers organization. From afar, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, why pump the brakes? Why not just enjoy it? I mean, this is a quality player that was a quality draft pick that has really acquitted himself quite well. Is it going to be this easy for him in the regular season to adjust to a full-time role in the NHL? Probably not. There's going to be hiccups here and there. Um, but to to have that type of promise and the potential for that to be injected into the Oilers' lineup and specifically potentially the top six, um, I think that gives everyone a big reason to be excited. And Dylan Holloway has worked through the process, has paid his dues, and has worked his tail off to get to this point. So why not celebrate it instead of pump the brakes? Uh, Do you vote for the Calder Trophy? I do. All right. So hypothetically, if he ends up, say, for 50 games this year, playing in the top six on a team with – Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle that help put Yesopol Yarvi and Kyler Yamamoto in a good positions from a arbitration case perspective. Is it feasible that Holloway would have a chance to enter the chat room on the potential of being in the mix for a caller? Why not? On what his production is, and it depends on how impactful he is. Like, that's the hardest thing to weigh about the Calder is is the impact. It's a lot harder to make a significant impact on a team that's really good and a team that has established players. You need to come in and and grab that spot from someone else that's been in that role previously, and that's not easy to do. It's a lot easier to do on teams way further down the standings, um, and that's why I'm curious to see how someone like Matty Beneers is going to impact the game battle this year, and I look at you know, maybe in a, in a somewhat similar position as Dylan Holloway is someone like a Marco Rossi in Minnesota. Um, you know, Rossi had a fantastic year in the AHL last year and seems ready to break through. He's one of those guys I like as a, a long shot Calder Trophy um, candidate because he's going to likely get some opportunity to play with some talented players in Minnesota. What about a uh, Kent Johnson in Columbus? There's a whole list of guys. It feels like. Uh, you know, this year more than some others, that the Calder is wide open and up for grabs. I would say Beniers 
given his production at the NHL level and a really short sample size, is probably the man to beat. But at this point, it's it's open. Like, get, get in there and grab it. Well, it's funny because I think back to 2015 when Connor McDavid was a rookie, and most people, hey, he's going to be rookie of the year. And unfortunately, he missed, you know, the better part of two months. The three full months that he played, he was the rookie of the month in each of the months, and he didn't end up winning rookie. Damn it, Brandon Manning. Yeah, uh, and and even even Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I mean, Ryan Nugent. We had people in this market saying, "Pump the brakes on Nugent Hopkins. They should send him back to junior." Then he got fifty-two points in sixty-two games, and I'm here to tell you that if he doesn't suffer a fluke shoulder injury in Chicago, on a uh, you know where he basically pivoted, he didn't even get hit. He ended up tied in the scoring of uh, rookie scoring with Landeskog that year, who played I think eighty-one or eighty-two games. Landeskog got it. Gabriel Landeskog's a hell of a player. I'm just, I'm here to tell you that if Ryan had played seventy games instead of sixty-two games, he would have won rookie of the year because he would have had four or five more points that year. But the point of this is usually we look to the number one overall pick as the best bet. Nuge was certainly in meriting consideration back in two thousand eleven. Uh, you know, Con- Connor merited consideration in 2015. One of the advantages that Holloway has is he isn't an 18-year-old. He is 20, mm-hmm. and you talked about it. He has touched some of the bases on the way up. Well, I think that's incredibly important for development. Like, it, it's it's real. the NHL is not a development league. It's hard to step in and play and to be an impactful player. There's only so few guys that are able to do it at 18 and have 48 points in 45 games like Connor McDavid did. And by the way, just for history's sake, and I'd love to hear your take on it, I actually think we got it right that year. I I pushed for Connor McDavid in, in terms of being recognized. He ended up finishing third. But Artemi Panarin, you can say whatever you want about the age requirements, um, you know, having played a significant chunk of time in Russia, four steps in and has a fantastic rookie season. I think that's that happened the way that it probably should have. Sorry, who was second again that year? Frank, we lost you. Shane Shane Gostas Bear was yeah. second that year. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Panarin Panarin's the Peter Stashny argument, isn't it? With Wayne Gretzky back in the day, was that it? The older guy. Well, he just it wasn't the older guy. It was that he he played a full season. So that was the thing that hurt McDavid. Yes, was he the best rookie? Uh, yes, but did he have the best rookie season? The answer would be no. Yeah, well, Panarin finished with 30 goals and I think 77 points that year. He also played with Patrick Kane. That might help drive a guy's numbers up, Frank. But that's yeah, – I, I don't think yeah. he – I know, would say Panarin has acquitted himself quite well. And ever since then. He's a, star, he, and, and, yeah. he's, he's yeah. a star player, and for the life of me, I've never understood what the hell happened there with Chicago and him in the first place, why they moved him uh, off to Columbus. I'll never – what was the deal there, anyways? Was they they couldn't get him signed long term because of the money that they had tied up in Kane and Taze? I think that was part of it, and I think also it was probably trying to right a previous wrong that they maybe had in terms of um, the guys on that team really missing Brandon Sod. Yeah. So I think that was part of it too. I think they were clamoring to get him back. All right, we're joined right now by uh, Frank Cervalli. So uh, you know what. It's, it's, I think you nailed it. We should enjoy what's happening for Dylan Holloway. It's exciting for the organization, and it is. 
it bodes well for Edmonton because it looks like they're, they're probably going to have a, you know, a legitimate impact. I think it's fair to say at this point, he's tracking to being an impact top nine player because he can think, uh, he clearly he can skate, um, and he's not timid. That's the other thing. Like, Frank, you don't see a lot of forwards that finish checks with the engagement level that this guy does in this day and age in the game. It's just simply a different game than it was 20, 25 years ago. It is, and he's honestly, it's the wheels that I'm most interested in and looking for. Like, when you think back to last year's playoffs, like, I'm honestly surprised that he only ended up getting one game and it ended up being in a somewhat tough position. He, he has wheels that I think the Oilers team really needed last year, the skating ability that um, when you got to playoffs, it was really kind of noticeable. Um, and so that could also be a big shot in the arm in addition to the skill and what you mentioned with the checking part, attention to detail. Like if you have skill and you can skate, that's great, but you're not going to survive in this league unless you can think. Don Holloway clears the hockey IQ to make it. We're joined by Frank Saravalli. We might have to recalibrate here in the line. Frank, uh, yes, Poliarvi, and this is a thing. Are these two guys mutually exclusive in terms of the point of this discussion right now? Because I, I'm sensing from some of some a percentage of the texters on the Ashley Fine Floors text line some apprehension to anoint Holloway anything yet, and I think part of it is that they want to defend their guy Poliarvi. And uh, and you've discussed it. Maybe you can educate our listeners. You talk to GMs every day. What would be the going rate right now for Yessa Pugliarvi out in the trade market, just to establish? Honestly, I truly believe right now it's nothing. I don't like, and not to say Yessa Pugliarvi is worth nothing. That's not what I'm saying. It's that there is no market at the moment. Most of the teams are up against the cap, aren't able to take on Yesipoyarvi at the full $3 million hit. There makes no sense for the Oilers to retain any money. And, yes, it would be nice to, to move off of the contract um, just from a pure cap flexibility standpoint, given some of the gymnastics that the Oilers are going to need over the next week to be cap compliant, provided that they knock on wood, have no injuries, is – it doesn't make any sense. Like they're in, they're not in a position right at this very moment where they, they could move him. Um, It just, it's not out there. And that's, you know, to take that back to the original part of your question, you know, I don't know that whatever is going on with Yesipoli and his fit with this team for the future really has anything to do at all with Dylan Holloway. I was just talking previously about the idea of, you know, this is not a developmental league, and Dylan Holloway is not here because he was the 14th overall pick. He's here because he's reached up and grabbed a spot that was in front of him. This is the fight for jobs that occurs every camp, and at some point, if you're not pulling your weight, you're going the wrong direction, and you're either sliding down the lineup or you're sliding out of the lineup to someone else's. And so I think that's part of. Um, you know, what's happening at the moment. And I don't know that it has anything to do with what's going on with Pugliarby. They're, they're, I think they are, to your point, mutually exclusive. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at what Edmonton rolled with last night with their top three lines, and that kind of intrigued me. And I do think there's a chance in one of the next two games that we will see Holloway get a look-see with Connor McDavid just to see what it looks like. But theoretically, if you went Kane, McDavid, and Yamamoto, and then you went Holloway, Drysaddle, and Hyman, 
There were good moments last night for Fogel, McLeod, and Nugent Hopkins. Now, they moved McLeod to left wing, Nugent Hopkins to center. And that's going to, and Fogel did score a couple goals after Edmonton had a couple guys get dicked up during the game, Tyler Benson and Connor Yamamoto. And ironically, Fogel's goals were scored kind of with Devin Shore on the ice. But I think the Oilers' third line looked pretty good in that now. They played against the underwhelming, undermanned Vancouver squad. And so then you have the listeners out there that are Paul Yarvey supporters that hate Fogel because he's in the way on the right side. But I got to tell you right now, Fogel looks like a better fit with McLeod and Nugent Hopkins than, in my then opinion, so be it. than, than Paul Yarvey. That's my opinion. I mean, I so that means that Yes is sitting there on the fourth line, which some people aren't going to be. He, able- can, he, can he be a, an impactful player on that line? Is he a fit stylistically even to play in limited minutes? Right. I would submit that he's not. Um, but the fact that, you know, you need your third line in this league to be an identity line. You need them to be able to be reliable, consistent, uh, something that you know what you're getting and can help turn the tide for your team when things sometimes are going the other way. I look to, and, and not to bring this comparison up because it's the Leafs, but you look at Toronto and you look at their third line last year led by Angball, and it's one of the reasons why I think they were waiting for an update today on his health. I'm really curious to see how they start the season if Engvall can't go because that line, you know, they may not be garnering a ton of headlines or attention or focus, and they're not chewing up a ton on your salary cap, but they are a big reason why the Leafs are able to be successful because they're able to be used and deployed uh, in, in proper ways that can help turn the tide for their team that then open things up a little bit because of the damage that they do, because of their efficiency in their own end that they help their stars do more. And that's critically important. And if Fogel is a fit there and, and Nuge can help carry that with McLeod, who regardless of who's playing center, if there's chemistry there, you know, I, I don't know why you need to knock Fogel for him getting in the way of Pugliarvi just because he's a better fit. doesn't make any sense to me. All right, Frank Cervalli from Daily Faceoff for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta Live, Thoroughbred Racing, Friday and Saturday at Century Mile. For more information, visit thehorses.com. Uh, what else do I want to really oh, quickly uh, hit on here? I want to ask you about Zach Aston reese Does he have a deal with the Maple Leafs? He came in on a PTO. I believe he does. Um, I believe it's something that they were waiting on this information from Engvall. And Engvall's injury is an odd one. I won't get into specifics, but um, it's it's not cut and dry. And they are waiting on information, which they were hoping to receive today, to find out more. I believe that Aston Reese has gone with them to their team-building exercises in the Muskoka today which would indicate to me that that's happening. It's just a matter of when. And by the way, this is something that not Leafs related, but every team should be paying attention to as the waiver wire continues to grow. The Leafs are, will be at 50 contracts with Zach Aston Reese signed. So uh, someone would probably need to move on at some point if they're going to make anything else happen. Yeah, he still theoretically could be scooped off of their roster if another team came in. But I'd heard he wants to play in the Eastern Conference. Had you heard that? He actually really wanted to play in New Jersey. That was his preference. Um, That's where he really wanted to be, and they couldn't work something out. And Toronto was after him from the start. And so I think it's... he could be scooped, but I'm telling you that he's not on the market. All right. Uh, very quickly, Jacob Chikrin, 
Frank, I got to tell you, I've seen Jacob, Jacob Chikrin probably play in person 12 to 15 times. We have a lot of really smart listeners to the show, a lot of people that are incredibly passionate about hockey. I didn't realize that many people had, had pro-scouted Chikrin 50 to 60 times and see him as a first-pairing defenseman. I don't know if he's a first-pairing defenseman on a good team. Is he a first-pairing defenseman on a good team? That's the question that a ton of NHL front offices have been asking themselves. What is Jacob Chikrin? He's not a number one. Is he a two or is he a three? And to your point, there aren't uniform answers. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Anyone that that puts up a 17 or 18 goal season is clearly going to turn some heads from the back end. And, and there's no denying that he's talented. I think he's pretty smart. Uh, he moves well. And one thing I really like about Jacob Chikrin is he's incredibly dedicated. Um, you watch the kid gloves with which he's handled a really untenable and unfortunate situation in the, in the desert. Um, it's been impressive to see. Now, the thing is, that's exactly what's held up. I think uh, a trade materializing is teams aren't sure what he is, especially coming off of an injury year where you weren't able to get um, a really clear picture and that's part of the problem moving forward is they're asking a big price. And I think more of it is related to his production and the contract that Arizona knows has significant value that even if he is a number three, he's well worth it at that cap hit. Um, but our team is willing to pay a, a first round pick and a prospect because I'm told, you know, as much as the Oilers might have been intrigued at the idea of him, um, that they haven't been active at all in terms of discussion, and the price was going to be extremely high. Like, think of first-round pick, top prospect plus. Um, it's it was a ton. So I, it's it's definitely not uh, not going to be materializing at least unless the price drops significantly in Edmonton. Yeah, I see it as a situational non-fit. I mean, Edmonton's got two left side left side prospect defensemen at minimum competing for a job right now. Philip Broberg and Marcus Niemelainen. They kind of do different things. Niemelainen gives them an interesting uh, dimension. All right, Matthew Barzell. I get- think the ask just to put a bow on that. I think the ask was. Broberg a first and Borgo or something yeah, I'm not along doing those that. lines. I'm not doing that deal that for Jake. That lead you to believe how high the ask has been. Right. Uh, the other thing is they do have Kulak here, who I know a lot of the analytics guys like. Uh, they have Kulak here basically to be a second-pairing left-shot D for two years while they transition a guy like Broberg or Niemelainen or both to Laplace. I would say maybe Broberg better suited, and he's had some tough moments in training camp where over the next couple of years, can he get to Laplace where he's a 20-minute-a-game second-pairing left-shot D? Let's not forget last year in a win in Vegas, Broberg led the Oilers in time on ice at 23 minutes. Like, he hasn't got to that level this year in, in, in the fall in any of the games. But he had some good moments last year that were very intriguing. Matthew Barzell, um, gets to explain how this deal, maybe in a minute or less, how this all ultimately came to fruition, and does it signify a bigger changing of the guard with the Islanders organization? I don't know if it signifies the changing of the guard because he's sort of been leading their team in production for the last number of years anyway. I think what surprises me is is how much he got paid on in terms of AAV. When you look at Matthew Parzell, he's never been able to quite get back to the level that he showed in his rookie year, 85 points in 82 games, and, and that 
has appeared to be a, a bit of uh, an aberration when you look at the last number of them. 59, 45 in a shortened year, 60 and 62. That is a big drop off and a long way from 85, yet he's being paid more or less like a 90 to 95 point player uh, moving forward. It's hard if you are the Islanders and a lot of your roster is older and is locked in on contracts. To, you got to make sure you keep a player like Matthew Barzell. And the cap is going up in age 25. He's clearly going to be there for the long haul, and you're going to get some of the best years of Barzell. But to me, uh, just pure first blush analysis, it feels like a lot to pay. Next guy to watch, Bo Horvat, Frank. That's going to be an interesting one. Well, um, I can tell you this, and I mentioned it on Vancouver Radio yesterday because it relates to your market. The initial ask, I believe, or initial offer made by the Canucks to the Horvat camp was the Ryan Nugent Hopkins contract, eight times 5.125, a total of $41 million. I don't think that's anywhere in the ballpark for Bo Horvat. There you go. Frank, awesome stuff. Love having you on your show. Great job. Thanks a lot, man. Talk to you next week, Bob. You bet. That is Frank Cervalli from Daily Faceoff for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta Live Thoroughbred Racing Friday and Saturday at Century Mile. For more information, head to thehorses.com. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. We're going to step out for two minutes. You're listening to Oilers Now. 1257 in Edmonton. If you're looking for a great Oilers road trip, New York City is sold out, but you can join Oilers now in Vegas this January to see the Oilers play the Golden Knights and all the famous Vegas attractions. This newest hockey package includes airfare three nights at the five-star Cosmopolitan Hotel on the Vegas Strip. Game tickets will have a welcome reception with yours truly. For the Oilers now, Vegas hockey package, call New West Travel or visit newwesttravel.com. All right, we have a text and it's going to be, I'd say it's one of the top texts we've had for a while on this show. You can text us on our Ashley Pine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Jason from Sangudo says, Bob, yes, Apoliarvi is in the same boat as a lot of us married guys. Not a good fit at home and no value on the open market. That is funny. That is a funny text on the married side. Uh, Ken Texas show to say, Bob, Broberg, Borgo, and a first for uh, Jacob Chikrin. Does he come to the Stanley Company's gear bag? That one comes to us from Ken. Ken, I 100% agree. Like, ah, uh, uh, yeah. And Stephen from BC says, Frank Saravalli, excellent segment. Well, that's because, uh, you know, get good guests, get a good segment. You're the next set of guests coming up on Oilers Now. We're going to open up the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. Give me your thoughts. How do you put this Oilers roster together? You be the GM after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell.